0: Well, good morning Hills Church family. It is great to be in church with you here today. And yes, it's online weekend, but man, we are in church. I want to give a big shout out to everybody who is here for the first time. Maybe you clicked on our Facebook page or our YouTube page. We're glad you're here, but I want to encourage you. Come check us out in person next weekend at Old National Events Plaza, downtown Evansville at 9 and 10.45 a.m. We'll be back in person uh, doing our thing down there, and it's going to be a blast. You won't want to miss it. This uh This weekend, I'm a little more excitable uh, (laughs) than normal because we've had some really cool progress on the building. And admittedly, I'm just kind of excitable about certain things. I'm very boring on other things, but I'm excitable, especially when it comes to the building project. One, I'm just going to be honest, I'm a redneck. I love big machines and moving dirt and seeing things built. Uh, But two, I also grew up in a construction family and came out of the construction industry. So I love the process of construction, like starting out with nothing. And at the end of the day, you've got something. And when you're building buildings, like you're not just making a building, you're, you're building a place where people do life together. And so honestly, I, I, get, I get a little bit excited. And I kinda got picked on as the building project got off the ground because when the first tractor and scraper showed up and the first blade hit the dirt, uh, I started going out there almost every day. And, And I had a couple guys who were like, Dave, why in the world are you going out there just to look at them move dirt? Like what in the world is so interesting about what they're doing? And I'm gonna be honest, like it sounds simple, but every project, every building project starts, it starts with dirt just like this. Here's the thing, if you don't start and get your dirt right from the very beginning, everything else is off. Your foundation doesn't go in right, water doesn't drain right, things don't line up. The building doesn't end up as useful as it could be if your dirt isn't right. And so I'm actually, you know, even though this looks uh, kind of unassuming and really insignificant, I want you to know that like every building project starts it starts in the dirt. And I wanna take this week and I wanna get, get our dirt right. And so I wanna to take today and I wanna think about, the. here's the thing, like the building, like it's exciting. It's really cool that we're gonna have our own space and we don't have to worry about, like are we meeting in a borrowed church? Are we meeting in a park? Are we meeting in a movie theater? Are we moving, meeting at, a, at a, a, you know, an event center? Like that's gonna be really cool. But I, I finished this book uh, a few weeks ago called Lead Like It Matters by Craig Groeschel. If you're a leader in any capacity, I encourage you to read it. But one of the things he does in there is he really challenges you to focus on the it factor, challenging you on whether you have it as a leader, as a business, as a church, and maybe if you don't have it, have you lost it or have you, you really just never had it? And so as I think about you know, how we get our dirt right, how we start out and we're ready for our building to open, I, I, you may be asking the question right now, like why in the world does this, does this matter? Well, three reasons why it matters. Because I think, I think that many of us are riding this, this pretty spiritual high. God's been doing some awesome things over the last four years and we're kind of riding this spiritual high right now. And, and we gotta make sure we've got our eyes open for what's coming down the road. But second, We also have many of us who are not riding that high. We feel like one guy last weekend as we were talking uh, at the prayer center, he's like, look, I just feel like I've lost it. He said, I feel cliche, but I feel like I've lost that loving feeling. I don't feel like I've got it anymore. There's many of you like that. And then also the third thing is there are plenty of like examples throughout scripture where men and women of God are close one day and the very next day they find themselves so far away from God that remembering a time when they were close to God is is like nothing but like a distant memory. And so I have this concern for us here at the Hills Church as we're getting ready. We've been grinding it out for four years now through a church, through an event center, a movie theater, a park, all of these things. We've been grinding it out, and then we're going to get to the building, and I don't want us to let our guard down and lose it. And how I want to talk about the day, uh, that today is through a story of Jesus talking to the churches in the book of Revelation, and so if you've got your Bible, go ahead and open up to Revelation chapter three. It's going to be on the screen with us here today. But I want to I want to just kind of give you a quick snapshot of it. This is Jesus talking to the church in Sardis. The church in Sardis, uh, you know, they 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 thought they had it. But Jesus says, hey hey, you don't. And so Sardis, the city, it was in what's called now like Western Turkey today, and the city was known for a lot of things. The city had gold and and a special wool blend, and it was known for its fruit. And the crazy thing is the city was known for its fruit, but, but the church in the city, well, it wasn't. And so, like, if you're not a, a, if a follower of Jesus, you don't, like, fruit maybe doesn't matter in your world. You don't know the significance of that. But, like, for us who follow Jesus, like, we want to see fruit in our lives. And you know it. Like, if you want to go and get an apple off of a tree, you're not going to go to an apple tree that's not, doesn't have any apples. That's an unhealthy tree. And you want to go to a tree that has fruit. And it's the same thing for the church. You want to see fruit happening. And so when Jesus is talking to this church, he's like, hey, like you've got a lot of activity going on, but you don't have spiritual fruit. They thought they had it. The church did. But Jesus says they didn't. And so we pick up in Revelation chapter three, verses one through four. And we see Jesus talking to the church. He says, I know your deeds. You have a reputation of being alive, but but you're dead. He says, wake up strengthen what remains and is about to die, for I have found your deeds unfinished in the sight of God. Remember, therefore, what you have received and heard. Hold it fast and repent, but if you do not wake up, I will come like a thief, and you will not know at what time I will come to you. That's pretty heavy, but he finishes and he says, yet you have a few people in Sardis who have not soiled their clothes they will walk with me dressed in white for they are worthy he says look church you've got a reputation of of being alive but but you're not and my concern is that's where many Christians find themselves today. Outwardly, there's like a lot of spiritual busyness. Like we've got Bible studies, we've got Rooted, we've got Sunday school classes in some churches. We, you know, we hear people listening to K-Love radio as they're driving past us in their cars. We've got a lot of cool things happening outwardly, but inwardly there, there's this, there's this uh, like detachment spiritually. It's what Craig Rochelle calls nominal Christians, which is Christians only by name, only Christians who think of themselves like, well, I'm a good person. And so I'm I'm a Christian. But what Jesus is saying is like these folks are they have just got just enough Jesus just to fake it. They know the lingo. They know how to fit into the good guy, good girl circles to look cool, look like they fit in, but they don't have enough Jesus where it changes their lives. They think they have it, but they don't. Now Sardis was this city in ancient Greece, and it was a capital city of the Lydian Empire. It was that place in western Turkey. And Sardis was interesting how it was set up because it was set up on a hill, actually was a a really big hill. The the walls of the hill were surrounded by this river called the Pactolus River. It surrounded the city on three sides and then the walls on the side were 1,500 foot tall. They were smooth rock faces. So the city itself was like, look, nobody's getting up there. All we have to do is guard this one side, the south side of the city. And so they focus all of their energy there and they didn't pay attention to the river side of their defenses. And so here's the crazy thing is this city was often thought to be like impenetrable. But the craziest part is on two occasions, enemies of Sardis figured out that they could scale that smooth 1500 foot wall and the city of Sardis didn't fall once to a lack of defenses. It fell twice. You'd think after the first time some dude climbed up the wall and like captured the city, they'd be like, hey, we ought to guard that next time. No, they had gotten so complacent, even when the enemy attacked very clearly, they didn't shore up the defenses and they fell again. And the enemy took place or took advantage of their complacency and it was devastating. And Jesus says that for the church of Sardis went much like the, the city of Sardis. They had it, they didn't pay attention to it, and they lost it. He says they were spiritually asleep. And that's why Jesus said in Revelation 3.2, he says, look, wake up, strengthen what remains and is about to die. Like, it's like after the first siege of the wall and they get in, he's like, hey, wait, wake up, fix that. Don't fall asleep, fix that. So today's message is not just about guarding ourselves uh, from like not losing a future connection with God. It's also maybe for you if you've already lost it like the city of Sardis. The enemy has gotten in and and you don't know how to get back and get the enemy out. And there's three things we can pick from this passage as Jesus is talking to the church in Sardis. And the first one, we're going to roll through these all from Revelation 3.3. But the first one is... Jesus says, remember it. Revelation 3.3, 3, Jesus says, remember therefore what you have received and heard. Remember it. Now in the Greek, this is interesting because the Greek language, that the word remember is not just like, uh, like remember it and then forget it or just remember this one time. It's called the present imperative, which means you do it continually. You're always remembering. You're always thinking about it. You're always calling to mind what you're supposed to be remembering. King David says it in Psalm 77 11 and 12. He says, but then I recall all that you have done, O Lord. I remember your wonderful deeds of long ago. They are constantly in my thoughts. It's not a one-and-done thought that's constantly in my thoughts. I can't stop thinking about your mighty works. Somebody here, you need to remember what you were before you met Jesus. Oftentimes we want to forget it. I'll be honest, I want to forget a lot of things in my past, but it's unhelpful to forget where I was because then I don't remember how far I've come, how far Christ has brought me. Jeremiah says in Lamentations 3, he says, I remember this awful time. He describes this time, it was was horrible. And he says, I remember this awful time, and yet I dare to hope. He doesn't just say, I dare to hope. He remembers the awful time, because we can look with rose-colored glasses about what we hope God does, but unless we look honestly about where we were, we won't see how far Jesus brought us. If we remember what he brought us out of, what we were lost in when we felt hopeless, when we felt desperate, when we couldn't tell the truth, when we didn't know a lie from the truth, when we don't remember those things, we don't remember when God answered our prayer, when he provided for us, when he healed our body, when he gave us hope, when he gave us purpose, when he comforted us, when all we needed was comfort. Some of you need to remember and to think back regularly on this. I'll be honest, I I have to remember when I struggled with pornography because that is something that keeps me from not wanting to go back there. I'm thankful for what Jesus has done and my community has done, but I always have to remember so that I'm on guard against the attacks of Satan. We have to remember what God did for us. And I'll be honest, remembering what God has done will also make us want the same for someone else. And you'll have the mindset to connect someone else with the same God who worked in your life, so remember it. The second thing that Jesus says here, he says, finish it. In verse 2, he says, wake up, strengthen what remains is about to die, for I have found your deeds unfinished in the sight of my God. They're unfinished. You had it, and you lost it, and could it be maybe that that? It's because God asked you to do something and you didn't do it. He prompted you to give it and you held on to it. He prompted you to confess it and you, you didn't. He prompted you to share it and, and, and you didn't. He prompted you to ask for help and, and you decided to do it on your own. Finish the work. I ran into a buddy out at Target just a, a earlier this summer, and I hadn't seen him in a long time. We couldn't really figure out how long, but the whole time he, he kept apologizing for, for not having seen me for a while. And I, I told him, I'm like, dude, like just, it's okay. It's totally fine. Like, I'm just glad to see you. And we realized it'd been since Christmas of 2019 that we'd seen each other. And he kept apologizing. I said, dude, stop apologizing. He said, Dave, you, he said, you don't get it. He said, I've been asking God why I've been so lonely so isolated for so long. I, t- I told God, if you really love me, you need to let me know that you're with me. And I said, dude, that's awesome. That's great. He said, Dave, you don't get it. I said, what? He said, that was two hours ago. I was like, oh, okay. So my only question was, what are you gonna do with that? How are you gonna, comp- how are you gonna carry what God just did to completion? What is God calling you to finish? For those of you stuck in online land, I want to encourage you to come back to community. Get out of that isolation and remember that God has people around you to help wherever you are. God works through our people, and that's one way that you can finish today. If you don't want to lose it someday, finish what you started. And if you've lost it, remember it and finish it. And the last thing that we see from Jesus to the church of Sardis, he says to to hold it. He says in verse 3, remember therefore what you have received, what I've given you and what you've heard. He says, hold it fast and repent. So he says, hold on to it and turn back to remember, to finish and to hold on to that which is, is, is near to God, what God has given you. I traveled to London to visit my brother and his family back in April, and we haven't seen each other since before the pandemic. And when he picked me up at the airport, all we wanted to do was just hold, hold on to each other and hug each other in a very brotherly, awesome, cool way. But like, we just held on because, man, we missed each other. Doing life over FaceTime is rough. We just held on tight to that which we love. And Sardis So, just looked like they had it, and well, they did have it, but but they lost it. What I like, though, is Jesus says, like, though most of you are spiritually dead, there were a few that that still had it. There's always a remnant. There's always a few. And it's amazing what God can do with a faithful few. Look at verse 4. He says, yet you have a few people in Sardis who haven't soiled their clothes, haven't defiled themselves. They will walk with me dressed in white, for they are worthy. They're faithful. They're serving. It's amazing what God can do with a few. In fact, like even you look back through scripture, God can do something with just one. This guy named Paul often had to go out and travel and was doing the heavy burden of ministry and sharing Jesus by, by himself. We've got a letter from him, his last letter he ever wrote while in prison for Jesus, he wrote it to his student Timothy. We call it in our Bible, we call it 2nd Timothy. And so this is the last letter he's writing and he starts off this letter with a very interesting reminder to Timothy. So like this is the last thing he's telling Timothy and this is how he starts off in 2nd Timothy chapter 1 Verses five through seven, he says, I am reminded of your sincere faith, which first lived in your grandmother Lois and in your mother Eunice. It was in your grandmother, in your mother. I'll be honest, I'm a mama's boy. Like if my mom says something, I listen. If my grandma says something, I listen. Paul's saying, hey, remember them. And then he says, I'm persuaded that faith now lives in you also. For this reason, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of of my hands. For the spirit God gave us does not make us timid, but gives us power, love, and self-discipline. Y'all, if we're going to be a church that's ready to wake up, like Jesus tells the church in Sardis, we need to realize that God has put it inside of us, and we need to fan it into flame. We've got to wake it up like Jesus said. We've got to wake it up when we feel like we've lost it, when we feel like if we've forgotten, y'all, Paul says, y'all, it's inside of us. God's spirit is inside of us, and we have to do something. We have to wake it up. If you, whether you think you're like at all that and a bag of chips, and you're like super spiritual, or whether you like feel like you've lost it, and you're never going to get it back. I, I hear both of you, because honestly, I live there sometimes, and I live mountaintop and the valley sometimes. And Maybe you've got a job where you're in the cubicle section of the office and you look down the hall at the corner office and you're like, you look and you're like, man, my boss, she's just awesome. She's so much more valuable than me. I'm nothing. I'm out here in cubicle land. Or maybe you're in that corner office and you look out to cubicle land and you're like, wow, I'm, I've finally made it. I'm worth something now. I try to do this regularly. I try to level the playing field, whether I'm the mountaintop or in the the bottom of the valley. I I feel like this is biblical, so so follow with me, and I hope it's helpful for you like it always is for me. But whenever I get uh, struggling with my worth, and if I've actually got it, I go back to what God says about me. And in the very beginning, Genesis, the creation account, God says something very interesting about us. Genesis 2 7 says, he says, then the Lord God formed the man from the dust of the ground. He breathed life into the man's nostrils, and the man became a living person. Do you know what? Do you know what the Bible just told us? The Bible just tells us in the creation of of the heavens and the earth and the universe, he he says, We are made out of dirt. Out of dirt the stuff that's on our property right now that we're moving around, getting ready to plant grass seed in. Like we're made out of that. And I'll be honest, it's kind of (laughs) humbling. I don't like it. I mean, if you think about it, like God, the creator, the master designer, he like paved the streets in heaven with gold. He made diamonds, he made titanium, he made quartz, marble, all these things that are precious that like we hold really close and dear. We hold onto those things as valuable And what did he make the crowning possession of all of creation in his image, what did he use to make us? Use dirt! Come on, nothing else? I want to ask you this, can you plant something inside of gold? Can you grow something with diamond? What you can do with dirt is you can grow things. Things take root in soil. Paul says the gift of God is inside of you. He says, I want you to fan it into flames. And so we we ask like we feel like (laughs) like dirt, whether we feel high, like we're really good dirt or whether we're really low dirt. Paul, like, encourages Timothy, he says, remember, there's something inside of your dirt, there's something growing in there, God has put something in there, and it is honestly, like, it's not just dirt, but I'm going to be honest, if you think about it, God has put a gift in your dirt for you. God has put this gift of his Holy Spirit inside of you. When you accept Jesus, God has said, hey, I'm putting this inside of you to grow things, to grow gifts inside of you, to to allow you to do things, to challenge you to do things, to finish the work of God that I'm asking you to be a part of. He's put it inside of us and he asks us, he says, remember this gift. If you've never received this gift, you can receive this gift of God in the gift of Jesus. And this Holy Spirit can come inside of you It can grow inside of you and do awesome things with you and use you. But we can also forget that this gift is there. We can just pay attention to the dirt. As if that's what's going to do the big work. It's the gift inside of us that we have to remember. We have to finish the work that God is growing inside of us. This gift that's inside of us, we have to finish it. And we also have to hold on tight to it because sometimes the only thing that we have is the Holy Spirit inside of us challenging us to take one more step. And what I love about thinking about the fact that we're made out of this stuff is more often than not, dirt does not get the credit. The gift and the gift giver gets the credit. Another thing I love about this illustration is none of y'all knew there was anything inside of this dirt. But you know who did? I did, because I put it there. You may not know that there's a gift inside of you, but you know who does? The gift giver. The one who put it inside of you. When God looks at you, he says, Cindy, you've got it. I've put it there. Fan it to a flame. Remember it. Finish it. Hold on to it. Angelo, it's inside of you. Remember it. Finish it. Hold on to it. Because I put it there. I want to tell you from God today don't forget that this gift is there. This building's going to be awesome, but I'll be honest the building's going to get finished. The building's going to get finished because we've got good people working on it, they do good work. But the biggest problem is if we think that the dirt is the end goal the end goal is all of us, you and me, using the gifts that God has put inside of us and not for our own glory, but for God's glory so that he can grow something here that's going to have an impact on the entire city, region, Midwest, and across the globe. I love being a part of Christianity and the followers of Jesus who are allowing God to use them not so that we get credit, but so the gift giver does. And so Heal's Church Do you have it? Have you lost it? Do you need to reconnect with it? I want to pray for you right now, and I want us to be ready when this building opens to remember that this is the gift, and the gift giver is the one who gets the credit. Join me right now, and let's pray together. God, I thank you for who you are. God, sometimes I hate being just a pile of dirt But God, I love the fact that you use this pile of dirt and you grow your gifts inside of me and you use me in ways that I could never think that that I would be used. God, I love this church family and our mission, the fact that we want to win, train, and send the Midwest for Jesus. But God, ultimately, that is not dependent upon us, the dirt, it's dependent on you, the gift giver, to put it inside of us and for us to remember it's there, to finish the work and to hold on to it god i ask that you would bring our work uh, continually to growing inside of us so that we would be completing the gifts using them and not for our glory god but for yours and for those who have never experienced the gift of, that you give god i pray that they would receive you today god we love you we'd love to see you work we're excited to be a part of it and we ask all of these things in the name of the greatest gift of all and that is Jesus. Amen.